I'll edit out this, this long, long awkward, awkward pause. pause. Okay. <clears throat> uh, what do we want to talk about? All righty then. Episode 72 of the Calvary Cast. I am Graham Parker, Associate Pastor at Calvary Bible Church, alongside host, co-host, lead pastor, Jess Miller. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. You know, I listen to some other podcasts, and I think our tune is the catchiest. Really? Yeah. I really it like it. It is kind of catchy. Although sometimes, like, I listen to it, and I listen to other podcasts. I like, I like what they do there. But they just do it different ways. Some people, like, they start talking right at the beginning with the music. Right, right. Some people... Actually, a lot of people do that. Or it's a little blurb about what they're about to talk about. So yeah. a little clip it from their... Uh, yeah. I've snip done, it, clip it, clip snip or it. snip it. I've done something like that a couple times when we have, like, spoof takes beforehand. Those are always fun, I think. But I haven't had those as many as many later. The other thing I was thinking about, actually, with almost every podcast I listen to, they have commercials. Right? They're advertising right. products. Right. Talking about sponsors. And I always skip that. You know, about 30 seconds. They usually go 30 seconds to a minute and a half. So you can do it once, twice, or three times, you know? Mm-hmm. We don't have that on our podcast. Mm-mm. So listeners, I want you to know that. That's right. And the only way that's possible is because of our Calvary Cast Plus subscribers. Right, that's the only way that's possible. <laughs> Again, you can become Calvary, one. Th- yeah. This is our this is our commercial. Be a right. Calvary Cast Plus subscriber by just listening to the podcast. That's it. We're still throwing it out one more time. If you want to send us an intro for the beginning of a podcast, we'll use it. Maybe. As long as it's not terrible and mean and so uh, remind funny. me again, how do they become a uh, plus? So, oh, they just, just listen. listen. Right. You just listen. So anybody that's listening is one. Right. But they have to make that commitment in their mind. Okay. It's kind of like walking the aisle. Right. So they're making a commitment. They have to say in their mind, I'm a plus <laughs> subscriber and then listen to it. <laughs> that's right. Yes. <laughs> it needs to be a mental commitment. I am. I have decided to be a Calvary Cast Plus subscriber. There you go. There's a lot of analogies that can be brought here to play, but I won't. Probably best. Probably best. So, yeah, that's all I have. Good. So it, should we talk about what we're going to talk about? Let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, kind of a two-fold thing that we've got this going on here. This is a two-parter in a, a one-part. It actually may end up being two parts oh, if really? we keep talking. I mean, you know, we try to keep these about 20, 25 minutes or so, right? Yeah, up to 30. So we'll kind of see how it goes, but um, maybe it's one. Nowhere near Joe Rogan territory. No, how long is his? His last one, or the one with Jordan Peterson, is four and a half hours. Was that? The I haven't l- touched that one yet. Did they just give put that one up? It's been out for a couple of weeks. And his I is the number one podcast in the nation. I know. Maybe we should take a lesson from that. The only time we've I've listened, like I've told you, I've heard yeah. little bits and pieces from him, but it was the thing with the, the vaccinations yeah. and such. So, um, but I don't know how I'm not a regular listener of his either, but uh, I find his conversations interesting, though, just because yeah. they're long. I, I appreciated his work in uh, Zookeeper. <laughs> with uh, Kevin James. <laughs> I didn't even know he was in there. <laughs> yeah, his name was, he played a character named Gail. And um, he was wow. the rival of Kevin James because uh, uh, he he liked Kevin James's girlfriend or was with her now or something. And it was uh, one of those situations. Yeah. And is that a caller? That's a caller. a caller. That's a caller. We'll just ignore him. We though. can't answer We'll it. let it go to the. This happens one. all the time. Uh-huh. Anyway. 
They wanted to be live on here. They but anyway, to be live on that. that's a enough of yeah. Joe Rogan. Yeah, let's get to the real podcast. We're talking today about two things, really. Uh, the first one is the book. Well, they're both connected. Yes. The book, Expository Listening. Which is our book of the month. It is our book of the month by Ken Ramey. Mm-hmm. It is... Uh, called Expository Listening, a handbook for hearing and doing God's Word. Okay. Okay, so, and that's going to be connected to a bigger topic that we'll discuss on um, the Lord's Day itself, Mm -hmm. meaning Sunday, Mm -hmm. and corporate worship. Mm -hmm. And preparing for it. Preparing for corporate worship, because part of the expository listening is preparing to hear the sermons but we're going to broaden this out a little bit, even in how we should view mm-hmm. that Sunday morning gathering and then and Sundays generally. Yeah. So you can see this could be a big topic or it could be something we summarize in, in you know, a few minutes. So Well, let's fly by the seat of our pants, see what happens. Now, would you explain to uh, me and the listeners expository listening like somebody who's never read it before? Yeah. OK, so we'll we'll um, we'll start with this when. When we hear that word expository, um, we we first and foremost attach that usually to preaching. Yes. And so that's really important to describe because a lot of people maybe haven't heard of this terminology or the term mm-hmm. expository preaching. We, mm-hmm. we don't want to take it for granted that people understand what we're talking about. So expository preaching is a type of preaching that would take a text mm-hmm. of Scripture and it could be a very small text, a verse. It could be a paragraph, or you can even do a this to book. a degree of a book of the yeah. Bible. Um, but you're you're taking that passage of scripture, you're and you're expositing the truth of it. You're bringing out uh, your sermon is uh, the points of your sermon come from that passage. Right. You're exposing it, right? That's the root of expository, right? So yeah. Exposing right. the text. Yeah, you're bringing it out. You're you're teaching what it means and then how it applies. Mm-hmm. And but everything's coming from the text. So mm-hmm. that's the generally the idea yeah. of what we mean by expository preaching. Um, that may be a little different than thematic preaching. Mm-hmm. That maybe you just take a theme and talk mm-hmm. on that or uh, some other kind of, yeah. of preaching. Not that those are bad, but the general thing we do here is right. expository preaching. And so this book obviously then is if not instructive for the preacher, but mm-hmm. more instructive for the congregation. Mm. That is, how do we become good listeners mm-hmm. of sermons? Mm-hmm. And I believe that's an important thing to talk about, yeah. though this is the only book on its, of its kind that I'm aware of. Yeah. Lots of books on expository preaching, not many on the actual listening, yeah. preparing our hearts to hear a, a sermon, what to do with the information that we get. Yeah. All of that kind of very practical things. Hmm. So, uh, just any—is there anything in particular that stood out to you as applicable or that was profound? I don't know about profound. Okay. Uh, it is—it's a—it—it's all very good and well thought through and and practical and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, but the the first chapter I I really like is it's because it. Uh, it it talks about um, the title of the chapter is uh, uh, Bibli- biblical yeah. audiology a theology of listening, mm. and this is fascinating because if you go through Scripture, both Old and New Testament, you hear exhortations from God saying, "Listen, yeah, right? right, exactly, listen or hear," 
and um, he he's always communicated to his people through word spoken or written, yeah. and that's how he communicates hmm. with us now. So we need a, a good theology of audiology, hmm. right? Yeah, like really how good. to become good listeners. So I think that kind of sets the tone for the book and and probably something not, not many of us have thought about. Right. Like I need a good understanding of why I need to listen and how I do that. Yeah. So I think it's a, a book that will help you um, glean more from the messages. Yeah. And be prepared to hear them. Okay. So that kind of this, could we say this is a tool in our larger conversation we're going to have now about preparing for the Lord's Day? Yes. Okay. Yep. There we go. So let's think about that. Let's discuss a little bit more about why uh, why we think it, why it's important to prepare ourselves to gather together as a church. Um, maybe what we're maybe what we're doing on the Lord's Day. Right. I guess that'd be kind of the the principle that underlies it. We think this is valuable, such to the extent that we're saying there should be some some thought and preparation beforehand. Yeah. Well, let's just so let's let's start that by thinking about just the sermon itself, just okay. in connection to expository listening. What we see in Scripture um, in the New Testament is that the preaching and teaching of God's word mm-hmm. is not an option. Mm-hmm. That. Uh, Ephesians 4 says that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave yeah. gifts to people and to the church. And uh, one of the gifts it comes in the form of shepherd teachers, okay, or pastor teachers that are supposed to be teaching the flock. Uh, Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep, right? And um, and then Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And really the list goes on and on in the New Testament about, you know, these teachers and preachers set aside to do this work and gifted by God to do it. Uh, they are to be teaching sound doctrine. They are to be preaching expositional messages. They are to be, you know, teaching the Bible to the people of God. This is the way they mm-hmm. feed the people of God. <clears throat> but and so we always we see those in that context. But we need to see the flip side of the coin is that every time a command goes out like Paul's to preach the word mm-hmm. implies that the people of God are to be listening to the preaching right. of the word, right? Right. Or listening to the teaching. Right. And um and so I guess a book like this, this expository listening, is kind of see what you're pointing to. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I told you we need to be on video, and and this will be easier. But it's it's also communicating to them. You know, you need to give yourself to to this preaching and teaching. You know, it's interesting in in First Timothy four. Paul says this. He said. Until I come, First Timothy four thirteen, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Hmm. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Hmm. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. And just told them to give himself to teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Hmm. I think there's like salvific, you know, benefit. Right. Yeah. 
for both the teacher and those who are taught. Yeah. God uses it to keep saving his people. Yeah. That's um and um and teaching them about God and the gospel and growing them and helping them. Yeah. But it all implies that not just Timothy's supposed to show up to do this, right. but that the congregation mm. is to show up as well and be taught. Right. Be ready to be taught. Right. Yeah. And be ready to be taught and that and that kind of thing. So Hmm. Um, and I think our church really understands that we're not, we're not talking to a church that doesn't, right. our no. church really values it. Right. So I think they would, they would begin to notice and rightfully complain <laughs> if they started showing up and, yeah. um, uh, you know, whoever was preaching the sermons were in error mm-hmm. or you could tell they're no longer like, they're not putting thought into putting it. Putting thought. They're yeah. not studying the passage. Yeah. It's not expositional. I think they would be able to discern that that talk the person right. just gave may right. have thrown some Bible in there, but that right. wasn't what the text it was, was a talk. Right. Yeah. So we have a mature congregation when right. it comes to preaching and, and they love it, but it's important to think about these right. things and, and uh, to continue to grow in that because yeah. it, it's so important to God right. as from what those verses we just read. Yeah. Now th- with this too, one thing we want to emphasize is that like the uh, preaching is often seen as a central component, but it's not the only component of gathering. And that's another reason why we need to prepare ourselves. Um, you know, our service runs an hour and a half compared to the Puritans, which I was thinking, as we read in this other book, we'll talk about in a minute, three hours, three hours. Ooh, that'd be cool. <laughs> sort of. It would, it would put us at ease <clears throat> on time. We wouldn't have to worry. Wouldn't about be time worried about, yeah, yeah, running out of time. But anyway, uh, the sermon takes maybe half that time of the hour and a half. The other mm-hmm. part is since spent singing and reading scripture and praying and partaking of the Lord's supper, um, and then, actually, there's probably at least almost another hour of our service, which is not any formal service, where people are just t- standing around talking to one another and conversing both before and afterwards. So, I mean, it, it, we're at, we're almost a three-hour service by right. the time. I mean, there are times we, we start at 10 and we don't get home till almost 1 o'clock. Right. Um, so there's preparation that needs to be done for that, too. Yeah, and also, and to piggyback on that, we wanted to make mention of the fact that um, we're not saying by this that the only yeah. reason you come to church is for the sermon. Right. I think that's what we're trying to right. apply. It's like we we believe every element of worship yes. is important. Right. Acts chapter 2, I mean, immediately they started <clears throat> gathering, giving themselves to the apostles' teaching, yes. but also to fellowship. the fellowship, breaking of bread, which we do right. in communion. And praying, right, and and then add into that singing, yeah. which was always a part of the worship of the people of God. Yep, um, even the taking up of a collection, First Corinthians sixteen, yeah, one, those kinds of things are all part of it. Yep, and we we think it's all important, right. on Sundays. And I'll just add before we jump maybe into Packer's book here a little bit, but you know if you think about preparing yourself, why you should, and I put like I put this in the email each week, like the songs we sing. And the reason I do that, and I, I try to s- explain, is so that you can sing the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to one another, right? So in our singing, we're instructing and encouraging and equipping one another. Um, my wife and I were talking the other day that sometimes uh, we'll be singing songs, and it comes to mind not so much for you, but for other people that are singing that. If you think mm-hmm. about things people have walked through or whatever, and you're singing a song, you're like, wow. That means so much to see that person singing this song with such joy and things right, like that. Right. So that's a way that you're ministering to one another through the songs. And the same thing, that that hour we spend 
just standing around talking and all of that. That's opportunities for encouragement, for edification. That's the Ephesians 4, the saints are being equipped for the work of the ministry to build the body up in love. So all of that, you you can't just enter mindlessly into, right? There has to be some some forethought, some intentionality, and and the Lord blesses that. Yeah, and I think that's a key word, right? And in being intentional um, <clears throat> about all of it and preparing your heart for it. But even as you're there, you're engaging. Yeah. So even as you're saying, you're you're singing the songs, and you're thinking about someone else yeah. in that and, and right yeah, not like oh they need to <laughs> no but yeah. like in they like this this applies to them right, the exactly. teaching that comes from this song applies to yes. them or the scripture reading but the only way to glean those things or how it how it even applies to mm-hmm. you whether it be in the preaching or whether mm-hmm. it be in the any other aspect of our service you have to get your mind engaged yeah. and your heart engaged yeah. in what's happening and yep. you're listening and you're participating yep Right. It's not like just a We're not consumers. Pa- it's not consumers. It's not a passive thing. You're participating. He's he's honing in on just the preaching aspect right. where you're going to participate. You're right. going to listen. You're going to apply it and all yeah. that. But but broaden that out to the service in general. OK. So. Um, so you kept mentioning. Yeah. This other book that nobody can see us pointing at. Yeah. This book here. This book. Does here. Everybody see it. Yes. Can you see it? <laughs> This is A Quest for Godliness, The Puritan Vision of the Christian Life by J.I. Packer. And I had not read this, and you said you should go read this chapter. And I did, and it was really good. Now I want to read the rest of the book. It's a great book. Uh, He's basically just giving us an introduction to the Puritans. Yeah, so J.I. Packer was a a scholar on a number of things, but he was a scholar when it came to the Puritans, Mm -hmm. meaning he had given, I think, 30-plus years to reading Puritans, studying Puritans. So yeah. a quest for godliness is giving you this. Uh, it's the Puritan vision of the Christian life. He's give, But he's really giving you, under certain headings, the general teaching and consensus of the main English Puritans. Right. So when you're talking about Puritanism, English Puritanism, you're talking about you know, the first half of the, the 17th century, okay. well, into the into the later part of that uh, century over in England. Okay. And then, of course, you had the New England Puritans eventually. Be but like this Jonathan Edwards and guys like that. Right. Yeah. He focused more on the um, English Puritans. Right. So anyway, the one that, the chapter that applies to what we're talking about is the Puritans and the Lord's Day. Yeah. Uh is interesting to me. So I just, I thought this was a, an interesting sentence because he's talking about uh, if we were to try and just go apply everything the Puritans did in their context to our context, it wouldn't work. But he just said this. He, he said, we are too often content today to try and get along by rehashing the thin doctrinal gruel and sometimes questionable ideas about its ethical, ecclesiastical, and evangelistic application, which were character, characteristic of that decadent period in evangelical history. I just like that phrase, thin doctrinal gruel. Right. He has a lot of things like that <laughs> like, he slips in. That would also makes me the office when Michael's like, the dementors in prison, the gruel. <laughs> the gruel. <laughs> All the fed we use, gruel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, there, and there's a world of difference between Packer and uh, Michael Scott. But um, <laughs> if anybody's interested too in this, there is uh, a, uh, just as a side note, he gave a series of lectures at Reformed Theological Seminary back in the 90s. Hmm that you can have access to now through their 
uh, either their website or also on the podcast app. Hmm. You can find Reformed Theological Seminary, and he's basically giving lectures through this, oh, interesting. which are real fascinating because you can listen then to J.I. Packer teach, and that'd be really good. You you'll gain even more respect for him. You can tell how hmm. uh, how much God's gifted him in that. But um, but let's think about this: the Puritans in the Lord's Day, because what he's what he's trying to explain is how they viewed Sunday. Right. And we, we use the term Lord's Day because John coined that phrase in Revelation chapter yeah. 1 when he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Yep. And we understand that what the Christians began doing from the very beginning is they switched the day of worship, uh, primary worship, mm-hmm. corporate worship, from Saturday to Sunday. Yeah. Because Sunday was the day, the first day of the week, that, and the Lord rose from the dead right. on Sunday, and it becomes the Lord's Day. Yeah. The Puritans, um, one caveat with this is that the Puritans were what we would call um, Sabbatarians. In right. other words, they believed that Sunday was the Christian Sabbath. Right. And they believed that the the rules and laws that applied to the Jewish Sabbath mm-hmm. about anything, about employment work and, and, yeah. and entertainments and all that kind of stuff would apply now. Yeah. Where... I don't personally see right. that scripturally. Yeah. We see um, the Sabbath as there are principles involved, yes. but we wouldn't even call Sunday the Sabbath. No. Okay, so um, it is it is the first day of the week. It is clearly the day that they began worshiping, in mm-hmm. the, even by the book, in the book of Acts, mm-hmm. by Acts chapter 20, it's mentioned the first day of the week. Again, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul talks about when they gather on the first day of the week, take mm-hmm. up a collection. And I have a, actually a little snippet here from uh, Justin Martyr, who was, uh, he was born roughly around 180 and was uh, ministering uh, between 130 and 165 AD. And he wrote uh, about, this is the earliest record we have other than the New Testament about a worship service among Christians. And he says, and on, and on the day called Sunday, all who live in cities or in the country gather together to one place, and the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. Then when the reader has ceased, the president verbally instructs and exhorts to the imitation of these good things. So you already have, they're gathering yeah. on Sunday, they come in, they gather together, somebody's reading scripture, mm-hmm. then somebody gets up and is, is exhorting from it, yeah. Uh, but Sunday is the day on which we all hold our common assembly because it is the first day on which God, having wrought a change in the darkness and matter, made the world and Jesus Christ, our Savior, on the same day rose from the dead. For he was crucified on the day before that of Saturn or Saturday, meaning Friday, and on the day after that of Saturn or Saturday, which is the day of the sun, having appeared to his apostles and disciples, he taught them these things which we have submitted to you also for your consideration. Mm-hmm. So that that's as early as that first half of the second century. Yeah. So you're talking about really direct spiritual descendants of, yeah. well, really the close apostles. to John, who, yeah. who would have died roughly around 80, 90. Right. So you have that that right away yeah. than in the early church Sunday was a special day that they gathered together yeah. to worship yeah and that included all the things we're doing now reading scripture and preaching and praying and um and singing which has always giving. been a part of that giving yeah so that's all been a part of 
yeah, uh, what we we do basically since Jesus. Yeah, and it has been through the centuries, but really revitalized again then in the time of the Reformation and um, the Puritans. Yeah. And so they were putting a special emphasis on this day, went a little far in the Sabbath teaching, but it still was the, the principle is there that this is a special day and Christians gather on this day and we worship together. Yeah. Uh, was it Packer brought out kind of like the the context of how like the Lord's Day was observed before the Puritans, right? And he's talking about their, they like go to church and then go to the pub, basically, right, kind right. of things like that. Uh, I did, he said this uh, line, he's, he's talking about all the different things they do. And he says that they're giving their time in football playing and other such devilish pastimes. Right. I like that. Cause he's talking about soccer, obviously. Yeah. So he's calling it a devilish pastime. Yeah. Which is true. Obviously is with true. soccer. It right. Is so yeah. true. Um, this is not American football. Right. So yeah. those of us that are going to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, we're okay. <laughs> right. But soccer is a devilish pastime. And see, that's the thing. <laughs> like, we bring this up because like, um, they would have, they would have condemned what we do on Sunday. Mm hmm. With any kind of entertainment, Puritans I'm talking about. Um, So we should think about that. Yeah. We should, we should, we should really uh, think through our Sundays. Yes. Because, you know, if we do treat it like just any other day of the week or our weekend in which we choose what we want to do that day. And if we get to church, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. Because right. after all, we're not, you know, under right. the law right. and all these right. other things. Yeah. I think that we need more of this view of the sacredness, at least of that time of worship. Yes. And, you know, I don't have it with me. I think he quotes it in here if I can find it. Uh, but Matthew Henry. Yeah. Oh, I love this quote. So Matthew Henry was a Puritan. Uh, most people are going to be familiar with that name from his, his commentary on the whole Bible. Yeah. And he's talking about the Sabbath, which is Sunday to him. But he's talking about Sunday. And he said, it is a sacred and divine institution. But we must receive and embrace it as a privilege and a mm-hmm. benefit, not as a task and a drudgery. First, God never designed it to be an imposition upon us. And therefore, we must not make it so to ourselves. Secondly, God does design it to be an advantage to us. And so we must make and improve it. He had much more regard for our souls. The Sabbath was made a day of rest only in order to its being a day of holy work, a day of communion with God, a day of praise and thanksgiving. And the rest from worldly business is therefore necessary that we may closely apply ourselves to this work and spend the whole time in it in public and private, see here what a good master we serve, all whose institutions are for our own benefit. So what he's saying is that the principle of rest seen in creation, because that's kind of the, the context of that that quote, that principle of rest is for our benefit. Right. And as Christians, there's, uh, there's benefits for our spiritual growth mm-hmm. when we live in the context of what God has designed. Yeah. Is that kind of what he's saying? Yeah, and it's for our good, so you're not begrudging it. Right. In other words, the Sabbath became a burden to Israelites, and that's in the prophets. I mean, God was challenging them on that. Yes. It's just a drudgery where we should be viewing this as just a wonderful gift of God. Mm. Here's an opportunity out of the whole week you have to set aside, even let's just talk about the 90 minutes of our worship service. Yeah. We also have Sunday evening activities during the school year. Yep. But just that 90 minutes even to get together with the people of God 
to hear God speak to you mm-hmm. and be encouraged in that. Yep. Just like this week when you read, when you said, what did Jesus, you know, it, it was in the time of confession or, mm-hmm. and that, and you said, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Mm-hmm. And that impacted me so yep. heavily because I could just imagine Jesus, which he is saying mm-hmm. to me, yeah. your sins are forgiven you. Yeah. Well, I needed that. Yeah. And I rejoice in that. Yep. And I, I guess to me, when I see people just missing church for other things, mm-hmm. they choose other activities they feel is important. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God has designed this for your blessing and good right. and encouragement to your soul. Where are you getting that yeah. encouragement from your soul in whatever you're choosing to do every single Sunday? Yep. It doesn't, I just can't understand that. Right. How a person goes, you know, a week upon week or month upon month without being among God's people yeah. and hearing the word and fellowshipping with other people. Or or even just coming and just being a passive participant, like coming in late, leaving early, right. you know, sleeping through the sermon, you yep. know, like you're just, you're there, but not really there. Yeah. So I think this, the notion of like, let's prepare ourselves. Let's, let's make this a, see the spiritual importance this has for us mm-hmm. and give ourselves to that. Yeah. So if we see the Lord's day as, a, a real important thing. How do we prepare ourselves to do this? Right. So, I mean, there's a number of what we ways we can do it. I think you know, it was Packer that talks about this, but also in um, the expository listening, I think he hits on this. It begins Saturday night, yeah. And I would say, um, at least going to bed at a decent time. Yes. Yep. Like where you're going to get enough sleep to where you wake up normally yeah you know that and that's different for different people so whatever but i'm just saying like so that you get a decent night of sleep yep so that you're not groggy and you know and you're uh, you know so the night before it begins really and god had that intended in the in the um actual sabbath where it began sundown the night before true i think there's some principle there uh packer quotes richard baxter one of the puritans who said Go seasonably to bed that you may not be sleepy on the Lord's Day. There you go. It's very practical. <laughs> very practical. That's also what the the Puritans were very practical. And, and I think teachers. like, that, you know, and even simple things like, um, like we've had people over on Saturday nights, which sometimes that's, that's okay. But if it's a late, they're not leaving our house to like 10 o'clock. That mm-hmm. really throws off our Sunday yeah. morning. So we've kind of said, you know, maybe we won't make a habit of doing that Saturday or night thing, yeah. going out on Saturday night or staying up. You know, so Spurgeon used to have people over on Saturday nights, but it's after the meal and they would converse for a very short time. He would say, "Okay, I have to go now and prepare for my sermon (laughs) because he prepared for a sermon on Saturday night. Wow. Yeah, that's not good. When you're a genius, you can get away with that. (laughs) And he was a genius. But and he did not believe in um, preparing sermons as we do. He believed you waited and the Lord would give it to you like the night before and you outlined it. But hey, you know what? God used it. But anyway, Saturday night. Yeah, you're right. Just go to bed at a normal time that you're going to be able to get up, but not get up at the last minute. Right. And here's what's cool. So we did away with Sunday school because we're just cool. Like (laughs) we just moved it to the evening. I think what and we said this to everybody from the beginning, Mm -hmm. like utilize that time man. prepare your heart. To me, that Mm -hmm. Sunday morning time would be wonderful to prepare your heart yep now now you're in a situation where you guys got little kids Mm -hmm. in some seasons of life that's going to be a little more challenging than others but you can still i'm sure oh yeah work it out between two you figure out how you're gonna well i mean for us like honestly uh, sunday morning looks like any other day of the week in the sense that i get up i read my bible right uh i don't 
get on social media. We don't turn the TV on, Mm -hmm. you know, like just little things like that uh, are helpful because all those other things are distractions. Try not to check the news, try not to check my email. Uh, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord to help me as I lead the church and then the Lord will work in everyone's el- everyone else's. And I can tell you time and time and time again, and you can attest to this too, we pray for the Lord to work through us and work in us, and he answers that prayer. Yep. Every, I am not, every single week my heart is ministered to. Yeah. Every, yeah, that happens as every week. Come that way. So you utilize that Sunday morning mm-hmm. and then get to church, um, you know, get to church prior to the worship service yeah. starting you know, get settled in. I, I can remember a, uh, and I like that our people fellowship and stuff, and I'm yeah. not saying anything against that. They do it beforehand sometimes, and you'll you'll be up there and you'll be like, okay, we yeah. can have a seat or whatever. And I'm not, that that's fine, because I think when you see somebody, you don't just go, uh, and then yeah. walk in, you know, you and uh, you, you actually talk to them or ask them how they're doing. Our people are really intentional about that. But uh, there, I grew up with a... Uh, this man at our church, he was from Ireland, directly mm. from Ireland, and they came to the United States probably in their mid-30s or so. Well, anyway, he was telling me about the services there where you would go in and nobody would say a word to anybody. Mm. At the, in the beginning, afterwards was fellowship time, and they would come in and they're just preparing, they're sitting there preparing their hearts mm-hmm. to worship God. And although we wouldn't institute something quite that right. strict or whatever, but yet the principles are you're preparing your heart to do something very serious and yet very joyful. Right. And, and there's so much to distract. Yeah. And we even give a minute yep. or so in the morning For that just purpose. to prepare your hearts. And um, part of the call of worship should be that transitioning mm-hmm. into now, let's put our minds on things yeah. above. So uh, I thought this is interesting too. There's this quote from, uh, or Packer was just talking about the preparing for the Lord's day. He said, it's a great day for the church and for the individual, a market day for the soul, a day for entering the very suburbs of heaven in corporate praises and prayers. Mm. So I thought one, that line, that idea of the suburbs of heaven was really neat. But then he used this analogy of the market and he said, you don't go to the store without preparing Mm. for what you're going to get and the things you need to do there. So the same thing as we go to church, yeah. you know. Um, a couple other things that stood out to me from from this. He said, uh, he was talking about, I mean, we've all experienced this where you're trying to get out the door and like you're in a fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the kids are disobedient. I've never had that experience at all. Wow. Tell me about it. <laughs> but, you know, like it can be a struggle. Right. And uh, and so I think there's an element where try to prepare so that that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, cause he said, for if we come rudely into the Lord's house from brawling or chiding at home or so soon as he is out of bed, the word shall be, but a te- shall be, but a tediousness and serve to the further hardening of his heart. Yeah. Um, I thought that was good. And then the other, the final thing I'll bring up from this and then we can land it wherever we need to. But he talked about the family must function as a religious unit on the Lord day, Lord's day. And he specifically is talking to husbands, the mm-hmm. responsibility of leading yeah. your family. Right. And then even engaging your family after the service, like, yep. hey, kids, what'd you learn in children's church today? Hey, what did you get from the sermon? Um, sending an example, you yeah. know, that's a, that's a big, and I, the other thing I'd add too, uh, pray with your family on Saturday night. If you have mm-hmm. young kids, mm-hmm. uh, pray with them. Hey, we're going to go to church tomorrow. These are the things we're asking the Lord to do in us and through us. Yeah. When we all drove to church together, and now I come here early and I'm usually by myself, but... um. I would pray in the car on the way here mm. or on the way to church mm-hmm. a lot of most, a lot of the time. I, yeah. I can't say that that was every single week, but a lot of the time 
And um, I think that's helpful. It sets the tone for the kids that yeah. you're doing that. Yeah, and men, like, seriously, you're responsible to lead your families to worship. Yep. It's on you. And, um, and we, you know, when we looked at Matthew 25, we learned that there's a judgment. Everyone, Paul says, will stand before the seat of Christ, mm-hmm. um, judgment seat of Christ, and give an account for what they did in the body. Yeah. And if you're a husband, uh, have you been leading your wife in yep. honoring the Lord's Day, especially in public worship? Yeah. How about your kids? Yep. Uh, when your kids leave their house, are they going to have an honor for the Lord's day? Is their mm. routine going to be assuming, you know, the Lord saves them? Is their routine going to be, I just, I go to church on Sunday. Yep. This is what we do. We right. gather together, we worship. If you raise your, your children in a home where it's not honored, yep. it's something you do when you got no nothing else going on. Your kids will do the same yep. thing. And um, it, it, um, I just, I can't imagine that. So it's yeah. hard for me. I, I want to remain gracious in this, but mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to, to, to understand, mm-hmm. um, not leading your family to, to, um, to worship on, yeah. on Sundays. And that's not legalism, man. That's nope. just obedience. You know, we're going to look at the great commission night, teach them to observe all the things I've commanded you. Yep. Like do not neglect the gathering of yourselves together yeah, right. right don't don't neglect that it it's legalism uh when when there's no like joy like he talks about it. if you don't find joy in this thing then you need to check your heart yeah that's really what that's what packer, <clears throat> excuse me packer brings out yeah and and if you don't feel that and we've talked about i think we've had a podcast before on um when i don't feel like going to church yeah. didn't we do that a, long, a mm-hmm. while ago maybe yeah. maybe we didn't but that was a little booklet we gave yep. everybody yes, or wanted yes, everybody yes, to we take. did and uh, go anyway. Yes. And and then cry out to God mm-hmm. to want to be there and to minister to your soul and trust Him to do this because it's just like we heard from Matthew Henry. This is for He does this because He cares about us, right? And He wants to bless us. Yes. He's like, here's this blessing of corporate worship, right? So you, so you get to every week you get to come together and worship with other people who love Jesus too. It's like, this is such a gift and here's my word yeah. and you're going to read it and you're going to sing it and you guys get to pray to me. I mean, that's, it's like a gift and people just go, no, mm-hmm. I'd rather do this. Yep. And uh, I'm not saying we can never miss an assembly. I have, yeah. you know, if you're traveling or things are going on, but those are the rarities, yeah. you know, the 99% of the rest of the time you're there. Yep. couple clarification, just a couple of things on that. Um, we do think that uh, if you if you must work on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and we have people, we have law enforcement in our church, we have fire personnel in our church, and we have medical, medical personnel, yep. and we need all those to work on Sundays. Mm-hmm. There are some other times. Sometimes people have had certain seasons, tax season or whatever. Right. I just what we're I'm talking about like the the regular yes. worship. And I had a job when I was in South Carolina and I prayed to God about it. Cause I had to work on Sunday afternoons. My boss didn't make me mm. come in in the morning, but I prayed about that. And I ended up getting transferred to a mm. place that closed on Sundays. Mm. It got just opened wow. it up and I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Cause like, if you pray for this, he'll answer it. Yeah. You know? But again, some of those, um, career fields, I don't want those people to feel guilty because if I have a heart attack on Sunday, I don't want them to go, oh, man, 
Uh, emergency rooms shut down because they're all at church. We need that's a mercy, right? Right. And I think Matthew Henry, the quote from J.I. Packer doesn't finish it, but he talks about because in the context of that uh, Sabbath day, they were angry at Jesus there in the Gospel of Mark because mm-hmm. he healed somebody on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 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 so all of our Sabbath applications have to be governed by mercy. Yeah, which some people have jobs of mercy right. and protection, and right? Other things. But so, with that, though, like if you can try and get out of it, you should. Like that's you right. should try and set your schedule in such a way that you don't have to work in the Lord's day. And most of the time, you can do that. Yeah. Y- you know, most of the time, you can do that. Yeah. And then the other thing is, I was going to say, since we started this with the sermon, and then mm-hmm. we're talking about preparing our hearts for it, some practical things about maybe gleaning from the sermon. Sure. You'll get more of that on expository listening, but just saying it to the people that might not read it. Yeah. Um, things like, reading the passage ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what you could do on your Sunday morning yeah. devotional yeah, time. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Getting ready to come in. Because we, we always tell the, everybody what the, I'm preaching from, and yep. rarely is it, once in a while I've deviated, and then... It'll still just, be beneficial if you read the wrong exactly. passage. Exactly, yeah. Yep. So this week would be Matthew 28, okay? Yep. Honing in on the second half of that, the Great Commission. So reading through that, praying through it, thinking about it. Um, also... I know a lot of people don't take notes. I'm not a big note taker, mm-hmm. but even maybe a habit of like jotting a couple things down that you think mm-hmm. about afterwards. Mm-hmm. So maybe on Monday morning in your devotions, you'd pull out those notes and look at that passage again. Now you're reading your other portions, mm-hmm. but yet you maybe just a few minutes of thinking about maybe some points or mm-hmm. something that stood out to you. Mm. That would be important. Like, yeah. Is a did a point stay out stand yeah. out to you? Was there a connecting verse that really wow? You were like, I didn't see that, mm-hmm. or a particular word, any something that stands out to you? Maybe to give it more meditation than just the Sunday, just right then and there. Right, right. What? Any other thoughts on that? Uh, no. Okay. I don't think I have anything else other than that that comes to mind. After we end the podcast, I'll have some other thoughts. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure this can you know people can think about those things and right. they'll. They'll come about as well, but... Um, but again, so there's some inten- intentionality to what we're doing. Being intentional with yeah. it. Wow. Good. This podcast has gone a little longer than our normal, but that's all right, I think. What are we sitting at right now? 42 minutes. 42 minutes with probably, what, a 30-second cutout on yeah. that because of your pause. Yeah. But they don't know they that. They don't know that, yeah. But... Um, that's what, I listen to multiple 42-minute podcasts a day sometimes, yeah. so I think people can handle it. I think so, too. Maybe. Yep. Well, we hope this conversation has been encouraging and helpful. And uh, maybe you want to go pick up Expository Listening now or A Quest for Godliness by J.I. Packer and read through those things. And, and yeah, we, we hope and pray that this does give you um, some things to think about in regards to gathering for the Lord's Day. It's an important, uh, the highlight of the Christian's week, we say, the high point. And so give some thought and intention to it. We love to hear from our listeners, so you can email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. You can send us a text, give us a phone call, or talk to us if you are so lucky enough to be a part of our church. If you're outside, though, you can send us an email. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. Until next time.